Digital Technopreneur Podcast, a place where entrepreneurs find their start into building a business in a digital and technologically driven world. I have spent the past decade building a management consulting firm and learning from some of the most brilliant individuals around the world. This podcast will guide you through the early stages of your entrepreneurial journey from the lens of each entrepreneur guest we have on the show. My name is Patrick Olawa, and I am joined with my co-host, NDO, and welcome to the Digital Technopreneur Podcast. Myself, personally, I'm looking forward to this conversation with Kiana here and really being able to, to go over her movement and what she's representing and, and things like that. And, you know, I'm excited about this one. I'm excited about this one. I mean, we've, we've had a, a lot of good laughs backstage before coming on, but Andy, before we get started, passing it back over to you, how are things on your end of the world? Things are getting hectic. Uh, it's it's great. You know, it's joy and pain, sunshine and rain. You know, you know how we move. So it's it's amazing to be, you know, a part of you know the wonderful people around in our in our in our environment, in our system, and the circle just get it keeps getting stronger every day. But we're excited. I know it's Women's Empower Month. We're gonna crush it with some uber special guests, and that's why I'm super elated to have Kiana here today. And I'm just enjoying life. Nice, nice. <laughs> Without further ado, you know, the champion of the Brawless Apparel movement, tell us about why taking this task, Kiana, where did this, the inspiration of all this come from? Yeah, well, yeah, thank you so much for the warm welcome. That was, uh, I, I wish uh, that was going to be highlight of my week. Um, <laughs> the inspiration from Brawless Apparel is, I mean, first of all, it was just it, my own problem that I had that I feel like as a woman with um, smaller breasts, there aren't that many uh, braless options out there uh, that kind of just gave me the freedom I'm looking for because everything still has like a little sports bra inside. So this one or my product will just allow your breasts just to be free and nice and comfy. And um, I think we need to challenge uh, the way that idea that breasts need to be like lifted and held in a certain way all the time. Um, and I mean, just starting a business um, in, of, in and of itself, I think it's um, the ultimate just spiritual practice for me and how I show up best in the world um, and put out my vision into the world. So uh, both those things inspired me to start uh, victory. You mentioned, you mentioned spiritual practice of, of just being able to start a business. How just to just to highlight that a little bit, like how is that experience for yourself? Because I kind of understand that experience, but I wanted to. It would be great to hear it from your perspective as well. Like how yeah. is that creation, you know, sort of like that spiritual experience as well. For sure, it wasn't until like I really tapped into that spiritual part of me and like connected it to my business that I really like felt the drive to keep it going. Because actually, I started. Victory three years ago. So I, I went through two business partners, like three sample makers. Wow. Uh, like um, I took a little break because I just didn't think I could. I didn't believe in myself, basically. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I went through this a life changing experience where I had my dad, he got cancer and we were told he had a year left to live, um, which definitely changes your perspective on things. So, um, but through that experience um, and having to take care of him and like being this state of just at the whim of the world, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Like I felt like I had no control. Um, it really, uh, like brought me closer to stepping or knowing how important it is to step out in faith and to trust in the work and, um, just, and be grateful, practice gratitude every day. Um, and then, so how that connected to my business was, it's kind of the same thing when you start a business, you're like putting in all this work up front and then you're just like, I don't know if this is going to do anything or, you know, and it's like, you have to just trust in the work and trust in the work that you're doing and the vision that you're casting out there is going to be a value and that's making a difference. Um, cause like you have to believe in yourself and your product the most out of anybody. And how is your dad doing? Is he, is he doing better? Oh yeah. He's doing so much better now. He, um, no more active signs of cancer, uh, which is awesome. unbelievable. He's at work full time now. So always got a second opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Kind of, yeah. Oh, and kind of touching back to what you were talking about with the spirituality, what do you, do you get a, a, a kind of a, a sense of fulfillment with this brand, with the victory, with this brawless um, apparel movement? For sure. Yeah. I think um, the act, like as women, like that act of saying no to something, like in this case, saying no to wearing a bra and then in the name of your own comfort and like saying, no, I don't want to wear a bra if I don't want to. Um uh, is sorry, what was the question again? Like, lost no, my train of thought. I was talking. <laughs> the fulfillment. Uh, you you mentioned. Oh uh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. F- yeah, fulfillment. Yeah. So, um, and yeah. So saying no, and then like kind of uh, making that not a mission. Like part of the mission statement of victory. Like you know, just really embracing all your desires and messy parts and saying no to things you that don't serve you. Um, I think it's really important just to be that much more aligned on your own path. Um, so you can just shine that much brighter because we're usually the, are the thing that holds ourselves back in this world. And we hold ourselves back because we, we don't feel like we can show our full selves. And and what kind of pushed you over the edge to be like, hey, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to go ahead and create something that it's avoided my life to actually go out and actually, you know, make this a part of a major part of your life. Right. (laughs) Um, Well, first, the actual physical need that I had for it. And then, so that was like the spark, right? You have this idea and you're like, Ooh, okay, I'm excited. But then, um, yeah, the practice of actually going at it every day, doing those like mundane ass tasks that do not fulfill you at all. (laughs) It's just, um, and so, but really having a vision for your brand, because there's so many apparel brands out there, like there's so many. So, um, but don't let that discourage you. You need to find, like you said, you need to have a vision and stick to it and know and find like a good angle too. Like, um, you know, I think especially during this time of working from home pandemic, I think beauty standards have been changing women don't have to be all prim and proper for the office. We're just working at home. And so I think 
definitely those beauty standards that were set from um, like, you know, men working in the bra list or in the bra industry, they're like Victoria's Secret, Maiden Form and all those top brands. Sorry. Uh huh. Like Fruit of the Loom. No, I'm saying. Yeah. 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 Those were all, um, you know, headed by men. And um, and then in the raking products for, you know, women. Um, so and maybe they they probably don't know fully what a woman really wants. Um, they yeah, sure. We like to be lifted and shaped, but it not when we're just like, like, like right now on a camera or mm -hmm. something. Right. And, and now here's a, here's a, a, an interesting thought process or a question more. So would be going through this, this build out of entrepreneurship and really just finding your path through it. Has it been something that you've always had the support from the family end? Has it always been something that the community that that's always around you have given you that support or was it something that you had to kind of put your stamp and find your own way um, in that support? What was, how was your entrepreneurship journey being like? Right. Um, <clears throat> so growing up, um, I was, it was like a stereotypical, like Asian family. Like I was taught to, um, you know, not make any trouble and just kind of follow the rules, follow authority. Um, my dad was, um, he did try to start two businesses before, but that was like, not when I was alive. Um, or I was still in my, you born yet. yeah, yeah, I wasn't born yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is me in after life. You know, just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but then like, I, I, always felt like I didn't feel I didn't like that I couldn't express who I really was and I think mm -hmm. that is where my vision and what um how that kind of connects to um like my why I guess because I felt like I wasn't allowed to really express who I am mm -hmm. during these um you know, really transformative years in your, you know, teens and twenties. Right. Right. So you went about, you know, your, your, your dad was an entrepreneur. What kind of traits do you think you picked up, you know, um, and what did you get to see that said, Hey, you know, this is something I could tackle. Yeah. Um, I think my dad and <clears throat> like, if you see something, um, he was always like a do it yourself type of person which can be good and bad. Um, like, uh, but Eddie, he would just, if, if he saw something he wanted to do, he would just do it. Uh, and I think that's what I really picked up on from my dad and like the, like the grind, the work ethic of the time he had to put in to make something work. I really got that from my father. I know they're pretty supportive of what you're doing, especially. And are you working still while you're uh, where you're brand creating? Yeah, so I'm still working as a healthcare analyst uh, full time. So, um, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely hard to find the will to work after work sometimes. Again, which is why it's so important to stay connected to your vision and your why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it's very it's very interesting you mentioned that you know because it's you know being able to it's one one trait that you know on my own even for myself you know looking looking a little bit back to when I started this entrepreneurship path 
I jumped right into it 100% full outs, no jobs, nothing. And if I'd had to do things over, that would be one thing that I would do a little bit differently would be to, you know, as, as they say, you know, finish the nine to five and then do the five to nine. But yes, it's not always, you know, easy to complete a full day and then have to go towards the entrepreneurship side and now get that picked off as well and find the will to, to kind of push on further. But I think it's something that, you know, new entrepreneurs getting started out in the path, I think it really helps. It's really, it's really great to, to, to see that you're pushing your dream and you have that stability that's behind you that you get to create. Uh, we like to, in our show here, we, we call that investors, by the way, um, because <laughs> your products to an investor, the investor pays you and you go to work on things like that. And the investor provides that financial support in that. The job is also serving as an investor as well, right? So it, it kind of plays in that dual aspect there where we have that job as an investor helping us now pursue that dream. But for yourself, how do you find that 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 passion for yourself? Like how do you find the will to keep moving forward each day and um, building your brand? Yeah, yeah, Patrick, I totally agree with you that um, you know it, it is nice having that sense of stability while I'm doing this passion project and also um like not putting all that pressure on this thing, this vision that you have to like feed you. I mean, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not, I don't have to like worry about, I have single, no kids. I don't have to worry about that. Um, but yeah, that's another thing too, that, um, I'm thankful for that. I have some type of funding, uh, mm -hmm. for my business, but, um, yeah, to, I, I think when I work at my nine to five and I had to deal with, um, like not being my own boss, I'm just like, okay, I need a, like that, you know, fuels me more to actually work, keep working on victory. And you can just how I feel uh, when I work in my nine to five. And when I work on victory, it's, you know, I'm just so much more in synergy when I'm working on my business and um, like the act of, putting out a vision and seeing it come to fruition little by little. It's like mm -hmm. one of the most fulfilling things ever. And that is what drives me to keep working on it after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I put in nine that, to five hours. That, that spiritual experience, you know, that you kind of go through in there. Um, here's um, the name victory. Can we, can we talk about the origin of that name? Yeah. So my first business partner, her first name was Vanessa. And then so that's for the V. And then the K is for Kiona, my name. And then we were making T-shirts. So it was T for victory. And then, I don't know, we just somehow came to victory. But um, yeah. but yeah, we believe victory is a victory for the modern woman. Um, so. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It came, it came yeah. in all together nicely there. I know. Yeah, for sure. Now, have you noticed as you were building Victory that, you know, you mentioned something uh, and this is something that, you know, when, you know, people are doing, you know, multiple jobs like you have been doing, that you almost get consumed more uh, when you're doing Victory things more than, you know, when you're doing your nine to five. And part of that consumption, I know, is, is part of the movement you've kind of created from, you know, everything about Victory. So tell us about you know, how Victory allowed you to start building a movement and, you know, what do you see happening as far as the Victory movement and what you plan on doing in the future? 
Yeah. So I think, yeah, my business, I believe it's like my vision for a better world and the platform I have, um, you know, I always, I want to use it uh, mindfully. And so, um, and I know as a woman, like the struggles that I've went through mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, tying it back to my product, um, which is saying no to bras, but it's, you know, also saying no to uh, these typical standards of beauty and, um, and also saying no to uh, just being like a, a, uh, an, a topic of like public debate if we decide to go somewhere without a bra and like everybody's going to be looking at us, you know, some type of way because uh, we're nipping out. Right. So um, and knowing that you can like even though you're I don't because in relation to that, um, I think there's different types of feminism. So, you know, there is like no bra and burning, um, burning your bras feminism, which is, I think has its place in the world. But sometimes if I'm just in a meeting or going to the grocery store, I think there's so much value in just like minding, being able to mind my own business, do my thing, um, speak what I want to speak and not be bothered by what I'm wearing. Cause I have better, bigger problems to worry about than, um, my clothing choice. So are you saying, uh, uh, honestly, apparel, it helps, you know, allow you to, you know, be free and do what you want, but also have that lack of distraction when it comes to other people's ideas of how you want to dress. Is that, am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Or I guess, um, yeah, yeah, that's one way to that's one way to to look at it. Yeah, because you know if I like my nipples are showing out right now, <laughs> that probably be um, or in a meeting or something, I'll probably be distracting. Um, unfortunately, like still. Um, so just and then as women, we don't want to like worry about that when we're trying to give like bang out this presentation um, that we worked so hard on. Mm -hmm. or when we're just wanting we're meeting the in-laws or something want to be comfy and don't want to um be worried about being judged a certain type of way because we're nipping out yeah so here's a uh here's here's a question from from the from one of our uh on the the audience side that was positioned just before um you know we had we had the people dropping the questions before we actually get on live. And one of the question was, you know, what's the the three most important factors in, in running your business as a woman? What do you feel like are some, some important factors that are helping you build your business as a woman? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, really trusting in yourself and your, in your intuition and really leaning into that. Um, there is, and also using, um, your, you know, women, I, I, well, like when I was growing up, I thought my sense of, um, empathy and teamwork, they were all construed as maybe like making me feel smaller than I actually was. Like I was just, um, 
fulfilling this like quiet little Asian girl stereotype. But mm-hmm. now I think um, like those are when you're actually building a business and you need to listen to your customers. Um, having empathy and listening are so important to really tapping into what your customers need and want. And then your intuition to lead your vision to um, the path that like, you know, people are feeling the same way too, I think is so important, especially like there's so much noise out there. Yeah. And you mentioned something and it was your customers with a brand like this. I know a lot of it has to do with the feedback of your customers and knowing your customers and your, you know, your, uh, your base is super important. So how did you go about finding a lot of feedback for yourself to, um, you know, design or make, you know, uh, different types of samples or, you know, find a direction for yourself and your brand? Yeah. So at first it was just, you know, me and what I wanted. And then, um, and then, you know, after putting it out into the world, um, really, you know, getting samples and just making all my friends try it on. Um, and also I put out a survey as well, just, it was like a hundred person online survey and that gave me great feedback. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid to ask for feedback um, and reach out because uh, you're, yeah, you're only hurting yourself and you're just going to go crazy living inside your own head because <laughs> there's so many ways to make a t-shirt. <laughs> um, and um, and then just, think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry, I was just going to, you know, speaking about that survey, how did you how did you reach out? What kind of outreach tool did you work on to be able to get that, um, that, that survey going? Um, Cause it's not like digital marketing where you can just run a random poll, you know, and things like that. You, I'm assuming at least um, this is going to be a different direction. How, um, how did you put together a, um, a, a polling process for yourself? Yeah, it was just on survey monkey. And I just, we sent it out on Facebook and um and yeah, actually, people gave a lot of great responses, more than I thought. I think when we put ourselves out there, we're always like, oh, man, I don't think anybody's going to answer or what's the point of, you know, putting this out. And we kind of, um, you know, build ourselves down. So just, yeah, really putting it out into the world excitedly and believing in whatever you put out and the value of what you put out, I think is a hundred percent necessary or else people aren't going to feel excited to take it (laughs) too as well on on the receiving end. So if you don't mind, I'd like to get in in some application, especially for a lot of our listeners and kind of, so we know your process as well. Um, But all right. So you have an idea, you have a concept, you know, how did you go about making your first samples? Yeah. So my first samples, I reached out to uh, sample makers in LA and that was, I got a sample made, but it was really hard to, and then, oh yeah, then my initial sample, it was just a sketch that I drew like on pen and paper is really, really simple. And if you have references to like shirts or something, a piece of apparel that you want something similar, like I really, uh, yeah, that's really good because they have something to base it off of. And then you can just tell them like the exact changes you want. Um, I was completely new to the design industry. So I didn't really know all the terms and words that they use. That was a little hard. Um, But 
so that, that for me, it was hard because doing everything through email um, was difficult as a new designer because I, I would tell them something, but then the feedback wasn't what I thought it would be. Yeah. yeah. So was the but, feedback in more uh-huh. technical terms than you're, than you're accustomed to, or was the feedback that they want all the dimensions? Well, how was the feedback? I mean, especially for someone who's not versed in the lingo per se, how was the feedback for you and how did you make it work? Yeah. So the feedback was um, like, they, they said things like the self, which is like, which is now like the shell of the, the t-shirt, which before I didn't know that. Um, and also uh, like I would put on something and, and then I would give them feedback and I'd be like, can you just make this shorter and like, bring this in a little bit, like this doesn't feel right, but that's kind of hard to say over email. Um, So I didn't really, yeah. So, um, but now I have a sample maker. She's in Seattle and I can just like go with her, iterate uh, one-on-one in like 30 Mm -hmm. minutes after we have a sample and it's so much easier. So, and then plus like, Every when you do a product, everything has to go through mail, so you have to be very patient with the mailing system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, wow. so yeah, you have to mail the product out to get to yes. Wow, oh, I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, and then each fabric, um, you have to wait for it to come here, and then you have to order sample swatches first, mm-hmm. and that takes time in the mail, and then. Um, and then after you pick the sample swatch, you order like a, they call it sample yardage. Mm-hmm. And they have to wait for that to come in. And sometimes mm-hmm. like fabric, they don't have a roll until like a month later or, oh my gosh, this color, we ran out of this color. So now what do you want to do? <laughs> so I feel like been through so many rounds of yeah, fabrics. So now, now that you've done it, how would you recommend uh, like a newer uh, you know product designer um, going about materials to make the, uh, you know, go about making that situation a little um, better, a little more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, better process. For sure. Well, there's a site called Swatch On, which um, it, it it's so much better than all the other sites I've, um, I've encountered where they have really good pictures and videos of the fabric. Because sometimes like when you're ordering fabric, I can tell it's just a picture you Googled image and like stuck it on your, your product page. So you kind of don't know what you're getting, especially like as a new designer, I, um, yeah, I I didn't know what everything felt like, but getting like a big bulk of sample swatches and and then kind of feeling your way through all the samples helped. So it kind of helps narrow what you wanted, um, down. How's that process like though? Just just getting all of those samples. Now I would imagine you be yeah. in the beginning, it's like exciting. You've got all this samples. It's like, yeah. wait, this is happening. Like I'm I'm doing this. And and then now you start going through each and every one of those fabrics. Like I just imagine it the same way, you know, looking looking in regards to like, you know, getting a uh, the, the different color, the different color scheme of like painting and stuff like that. And I just imagine there's Tons of different types of fabric. So from a guy perspective, actually, I wouldn't even say from a guy perspective. <laughs> I am very, um, I only know three types of fabric, polyester, cotton, polyester and cotton. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I know. Feels good and feels better. That's all I know. Right now. Exactly. That's all you need. What what you like and what you don't like. So, so how do you how do you how do you narrow that down? You're going through the fabrics, and how do you get to choose? You know, because you're you're. What's nice about this is you're solving a problem that you have, but then at the same time, it's a problem that you're solving generally for everyone else. But then, do you go on the subjective standpoint of, well, I want this to be something that can work for everyone else, or were you going from the standpoint of, I need this to work for me? Like, how did you how did you get to choose that fabric um, direction? Right. So I know that I am like my own target customer. So um, what I like, I, you know, try to make sure that in, if you're just scrolling through Instagram and stuff, um, you can kind of see what the trends are. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, but yeah, trying to find a, a fabric that I wanted. Well, I knew that I wanted a sustainable fabric. So researching all the um, sustainable options out there, which there is a ton, but I wanted, I knew I wanted something that, um, you know, cause my shirt's kind of like utility cause it's, a braless thing. So something, I wanted something that will wash well, hold up in the wash, uh, won't pill easily. And it, it's, um, it'll last, right. I want something that will last and be nice and flowy and, um, very cozy. So I, after researching, um, I came to a fabric called Tencel brand modal and Tencel brand fabric is made out of birchwood fibers and how they're harvested mm. is uh, more sustainable because they don't like pluck the whole tree out. They like break off the branches so it doesn't like die and have to grow all over again. And then they have a closed loop system of all the chemicals and water, which they produce the fabric. So, so you're, well, you, you didn't just pick up a fabric. Like you actually went through the, the ecological side of it as well. Like you were looking at things from like environmental standpoints and being able to 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 see that what you're what you're putting out to the world is not just great for individuals but great for the world as well. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think you know we have to be sustainably minded for the future. I think it's like we have to. It's the future. That's, that's yeah. Definitely necessary. Yeah. So I have a question. I mean, you have, you know, I know you pick things for you, but how did you go about picking different sizes for different body types? And how do you test measurements for all of that? How, how, you know, how did you go about finding those measurements for people who don't look like you per se? (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a really, I definitely mold over that for a long time. But so when you're building a product, they have something called grading. And then, so grading is creating your shirt, whatever apparel in different sizes. And they already have kind of standard grading patterns out there in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, However, for my products, since most of the shirts, you know, they're built for your boobs to sit, you know, (laughs) up here. So when you're not wearing a bra, it might go a little bit more down. So that's definitely something I have, I've had to think about and be like, you know, does, is that and, and the only way to know that is just to make it and test it yeah you, you too. Know? yeah yeah so don't be afraid i mean instead of overthinking something just build it and test it if you can and for you did you were you able to find models that would kind of help you out with that situation and if so how'd you go about finding them i know um you know as newer as a newer you know designer with this movement 
it's probably, you know, you're trying to keep costs low and things like that. So how did you go about finding models that maybe didn't look like yourself? Yeah, so you can pay for fit models um, or else I just like reached out to my friends and of all and of all different sizes and ages, moms, uh, triple D's to A cups. <laughs> I just asked them to, to try it on and jump around and <laughs> bend <Yeah>. over <laughs> and like, <laughs> <I'll get you>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and see where their nipples are, are laying down and make sure it's all covered. So, um, but yeah, just asking and reaching out to people. Um, yeah. And what I love about your brand is it's almost like, it, it seems like your apparel and your movement is like tailor fit for, you know, this upcoming, not upcoming, but our current and upcoming, this Zoom movement that we have now, this online, these online means that we have now, this. So is your brand, is it going to have, you know, it's of course comfortable gear, but is it going to have that, that comfortable but cozy looking gear that kind of beats the camera but still has a, a comfortable fit? You, do you see yourself mm -hmm. building like that, that, you know, that Zoom meeting apparel brand? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I think, yeah, this whole pandemic has really made more segments of loungewear. <laughs> like there used to be just like, like sweatpants and workout clothes and then there's mm -hmm. athleisure. But now I think there's this other category where it's like, you still, you don't want to look like you just came out of the gym. You're not mm -hmm. in athleisure wear, but you still want to look kind of put together, um, but comfy, like you're saying. So yeah, definitely in this like more luxe leisure category of, um, leisure, like leisure apparel, definitely the space I want to, uh, work in and dive deeper into. Nice. Nice. Here's a, here's a question from one of, uh, from a guest, someone from our community is how different do you feel it is to run a business as a woman versus a man? Like how, how different do you feel it is in that, in that regards? Or does it make a difference? Um, Good question. I guess, how does it feel running a business as a man? Like, I don't know. I guess I don't really know what it feels like. Uh, but like, I mean, just, I mean, I, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. Because, like, yeah, you're right. There is a, a little bit of a follow-up. Uh, um, there was a statement in that regard saying, you know, because um, being able to have, you know, women have setbacks, men have setbacks, but men, we try to hide our setbacks and, Women are emotional, so they they expose their setbacks. And you know, being able to run a business, you know, has been hard for one of our um, our community members. Kind of is mentioned this, you know, being able to run a business has that end of it. And so that's why the question came in: um, How different is it to you know run a business as a woman um, versus well, how do you feel it looks like versus a man? You know, running a business has it been you know. Uh, a good transition for yourself has the process been easy for you going through it um you know just on the overall sense yeah um i yeah, speaking as like a male entre entrepreneur versus a female entrepreneur um i think it's i i always have always historically doubted myself um and my abilities so um and i think and and the and i think that people can feel that. And I think as, uh, as women were, 
in society, we're taught not to like be so firm in our decisions and we can't be like too passionate about something or, um, or else we're like kind of crazy and weird. Um, but when a guy like, you know, has a business and he's super passionate about it, he's like so driven. And, um, you know, so I think externally that's the differences that's perceived. I think the industry I'm in apparel design, I, uh, I mean, I think it's a predominantly female, um, industry. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, um, so I think in that aspect, it's, and I've, I've met a lot of other female founders in the community, um, as well. So that's really helped. And I think, I think that's, that's really key because it's, you know, overall, I mean, right now, which is something that's amazing is overall right now being able to, to see that there are a lot more women like really pushing the boundaries and uh, taking on that step forward as entrepreneur, because I think women make better entrepreneurs than men, just for the fact that you guys can effectively multitask. And that means there's really no one can really multitask, but you know, being able to to handle multiple tasks effectively. Um, it's something that women do. And now we're, we're, we're in a time where people can now see that strength. It's not like the strength was never there. It was always there. It's just now people are getting to see that and and kind of uh, that exposure to it, you know, a lot more. And, and the unity. I wish men had that same kind of a unity that women have when they're starting a business. The, the, the community that women stand within each other is just amazing. Um, I don't know if you've experienced that, you know, yourself mm -hmm. building a business. Um, if you found that there's a, there's a little bit more community, there's a little bit more family um, connected around you and your business. Cause I know definitely for men, it's not the case like that. Oh, I didn't know Ooh. that. <laughs> yeah, it's always a competition. You're, you're, oh. you're, you're it's not necessarily a, it's all about that alpha mature, my, uh, maturisma type scenario, but I don't know. Have you, have you experienced that, that unity a little bit more, you know, on your end building a business? For sure. It's, uh, it's actually, it's what's kept me going like all this time. Um, like having, reaching out to fellow female founders and sharing our struggles and sharing, um, our wins together and helping each other out and knowing it's not a zero sum game. Like each of us, um, I think cause when you're, I, I guess as a male, you're just focused on metrics. I don't know. So I, that's, I don't want to like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. And, um, when there's no context to metrics, I think it, it can, um, just, it, it doesn't motivate you. Um, and I think when there's, you know, we give a lot of, um, as women founders were, you know, we give a lot of ourselves into the business and put context around um, these metrics. Um, and we know that like one person's like growth metric maybe is not, isn't the audience I'm targeting or their, mm -hmm. um, my message doesn't resonate with theirs. So, you know, that's why it's a, it's, it's not a competition, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and I wanted to mention uh, your newsletter coming out. I know there's a lot going on with this movement. 
I know, uh, you know, there's so many things I'm sure you're going to tackle as far as not only the women's movement, kind of the history of, you know, um, you know, women's apparel, but what's going to be on the newsletter and, and after that, you know, how can people join that newsletter? Yeah, so there, I think there are definite entrenched reasons why we think the way we do about uh, our bodies as women. And it started with uh, back in history, like, um, like, for example, wearing women didn't used to wear underwear. And then when we first did wear underwear, it was considered cross-dressing because men were like the pants wearing people of the country. <laughs> and, um, and then like, things like that. And, and corset, like wearing corsets, that was actually, they actually had like corsetry science. So there was like science backed reasons for being constricted and all this stuff. I know. Yeah. So I think when you realize all these things that has socialized us into thinking the certain way, like how we have to look, um, then you can, you know, this isn't about um, like all, all men are like all corsets are evil. All men are evil. It's more like just being more aware of history and how that has impacted you and how you feel about your body. Um, so yeah, my newsletter will be going through uh, six weeks of that just to kick off when, when you first sign off, sign up for my newsletter. And then it updates about um, my product and everything. I plan to raise a crowdfunding campaign, uh, which is another way um, if you're just starting out like um, alternative funding methods and just seeking investors and pitching uh, VCs and stuff. And then they find uh, they find your sign up for the newsletter where? Oh, at the website. I see it right here at www.victoryvktori.com. Nice. Nice. And then and, how can they find? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Pat. I was just going to say, and of course, you know, being able to connect with you on the social platforms as well. Um, I'm assuming where besides besides, uh, well, what social platforms can they connect with you? Yeah, Instagram is going to be the one I'm most active on. So that's at victory, B-K-T-O-R-I dot co, uh, C-O. I'm also um, on Twitter, which is underscore victory. And those, but Instagram would be the one I'm most on. Perfect. Now we, we all, you know, this is something that we, we ask, you know, every guest towards the end, you know, it's, you know, as a, as a closing statement, what would be, if you had had a message for our listeners, you know, what would be some of that, that closing message that you have for our listeners overall? Um, my closing message is that you are your greatest superpower and they're in, we're, you know, whenever we start a business, it's all, we always say it's oversaturated, but, um, I think that's why you are the key to your business and what's going to differentiate you from everybody else. So trust yourself like a thousand percent and you can do whatever you dream to do. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this has been, this has been really great. We really appreciate this opportunity to, to share this time with yourself and, learn about you, your business path and the movements that you're, you're really putting out into the world and, and the direction of the impact that this is going to be bringing in, you know, to, to the world here in the, in the near future. So we, we appreciate this opportunity to be here with yourself. Um, 
so so I I, I want to just say thank you, thank you from 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 all of us in the for myself, Andy, the community as well. Definitely, we appreciate you here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure, Andy and Patrick. Um, and I can't wait to connect more on your community that you've built as well. Appreciate it. They're going to love it. And honestly, there was a lot of application here. So please, you know, as we always say on this Digital Tech Promoter Podcast, support the people who support us. She gave you not only some nuggets about application with business starting, but I mean, this is March. It's Women's Empowerment Movement. So let's empower the women who are, you know, who are in our, in our, in our circle and our brand. They've been so amazing to us so far. And we want to keep them, you know, not only in you know, in, in our thoughts, but, you know, let's, you know, ask them questions, pick their brains, give them resources, you know, give and get, you know, and that's how I think business needs to get done. But from, of course, from Kiana Moy, you know, our, our, our hostess with the most is Patrick Alawa. <laughs> it's been another great episode of the Digital Techpreneur uh, podcast. Again, support the support people that support us, but we're going to kick out with another, you know, goodbye for, for now. We're going to have some other great guests for the month of March for Women's Empowerment Month. Empowerment month. But we're going to say goodbye for now. So from Kiana Moy, from Patrick Alawa, we want to say take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.